welcome to the Tech Study Hall podcast with your host, my dad, Dr. Rich Smith. Let's get started! Thanks, Finn, and welcome to episode 117 of the Tech Study Hall podcast, where you can go to explore all about 21st century learning and ed tech integration in the safe space in hopes to take steps forward in your tech independence. My name is Rich, and today we're going to talk about tech integration and real-world application with a good friend of mine, and I can't wait for you to meet her. She's going to have some great information to share with us. But first, just as a reminder for our first-time listeners, our goal with Tech Study Hall is to inspire educators like yourselves to explore new ways to use technology as a way to accent your lessons, and doing all of this while using 21st century learning strategies to keep your students engaged. Whether that's using tech or not, the way our learners obtain knowledge is different from what we experienced, but the one thing that hasn't changed is the importance of relating our learning experience to a world that makes sense for them. Today's objective... In our last episode, I talked about Sphero robots and programs and bringing learning to life through the use of this technology. It's one of my favorite programs to run with students, and I'm doing this now in my computer science and coding class where we're examining the code. And now we're having some fun with creating 3D printed obstacles for our robots and putting together a little obstacle course for fun. The key here is to bring some life to learning. Make it real, something relatable for our students so that they can see the value added in learning. I'm going to be very blunt here. This can happen in every subject matter. We just have to tap into our creative juices to find those relatable tasks to bring learning to life. Our guest today is Ann Radfeld, who's from Woodbury Elementary School in Shaker Heights, Ohio, and teaches French to 5th and 6th grade students. I met Ann through our involvement with the PBS Education Network Council through WVIZ in Cleveland. I can't wait for you to meet her because she, too, believes wholeheartedly in bringing real-world application to learning and using technology to blend that learning together. Let's meet Ann now. Roll call! All right, I'm excited to finally have a guest back on the show. Um, I have a good friend of mine. Her name is Ann Radefeld, and she now is a teacher at Woodbury Elementary School in Shaker Heights, teaching fifth and sixth grade French. Um, but she's done a lot of tech consulting and a lot of instructional coaching as well. So I'm very excited to um, have her on the show. Ann, welcome. Thanks, Rich. I really appreciate being here. I am so excited to, you know, talk about what I have um, going on right now in my French class at Woodbury. Um, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself to start off. I just want to let everybody know, all the listeners know, I'm in my 17th year of teaching. And in my first nine years of teaching, I was in the high school French and German classroom. So I taught eighth grade through 12th grade French and German. And then I came out of the classroom and I was the district uh, kind of like an instructional coach. We called it curriculum facilitator. It was really a hybrid between instructional coaching and tech coaching. So I held that role in my district for seven years. And last year in the pandemic, I decided to make some changes personally and professionally in my life. And I decided to leave that role. And I really wanted to go back into the classroom. I missed being able to see kids and have the energy um, that they bring to me. So I I started to look for a, a, a new job. And I ended up leaving my school district and going into Shaker Heights City Schools, where I became the fifth and sixth grade French teacher. That's amazing. So 
you you made this transition during the pandemic. I know I probably would have been a little nervous about doing that. How did that feel for you to get back into a classroom after spending some time with the coaching? Yeah, so I think that I was really looking for a new challenge and I knew that this was a good time to take on a new challenge. I I think that I was feeling a little stale in my coaching role and really the, you know, the pandemic, the March through May, I won't say burnt me out, but maybe it did burn me out a little bit. Um, it, it was, um, I wasn't feeling the, the fulfillment and the rewards that I had felt previously. And I think that going into the classroom during the pandemic, I absolutely knew what I was getting myself in for. Um, it wasn't as though I was dropped into this situation. It was my choice. And I felt like I had a whole host of tools in my tool belt that I could pull from and really make my teaching uh, engaging, innovative, uh, and an enriching experience for the students that would be in my classroom. You know, and that's a great message for any teacher, I think, that when you are feeling like it's just you're, you're following the motions or going through the motions of what your, your classroom is, do something to freshen up the, the profession for you. Show that you're a good learner, that you're a forever learner, and uh, take some risks, right? Really, I mean, and I'll tell you, it's it was like a breath of fresh air, and I, I entering this school year feeling rejuvenated instead of beat down was key for me, and I've been able to sustain this, you know, this joyous rejuvenation throughout the year. And I mean, I'm ready for spring break like everybody else, but you know, I think that the school year has just brought so much joy to my life. <laughs> That's been my mantra this year. I am May tired, but August inspired. Yes, right? <laughs> I love that. So uh, let me ask you a question. This is kind of our free-for-all fun question. If you're stranded on an island and you have three pieces of technology, either new or old, uh, what would you bring with you and why? Gosh, so I really had to think about this one because, um, you know, first of all, we've got Wi-Fi all over the place now. And my big question is, does this island have Wi-Fi? Absolutely. Because that changes everything. <laughs> so if it has Wi-Fi, then I would definitely bring my smartphone. Um, although the battery would probably go out after a certain period of time, I would still have this smartphone to hopefully get me off the island. And then I thought, you know what? I want like a real paper book. And I want a pencil because maybe I can get some wood shavings and, you know, the book has paper. So if I need to create a fire, I guess I can do that too. <laughs> but the book, I love to read. And so the book will at least keep me, um, you know, busy doing something while I'm sunning myself on the beach, hopefully, until my smartphone has come through and brought me some help. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, what are some of your favorite tech tools? You talked about your tech tool and being able to bring that back to the classroom, which is, is so key for any teacher teaching in the 21st century. What do you use in, to increase engagement in your classroom? So I'll tell you, um, GimKit has been wildly successful in my classroom this year. My students love it and they ask for it over and over and over again. So um, it, particularly with my sixth graders, we, you know, we have a lot of vocabulary and they basically have to get a lot of vocabulary until they go into seventh grade. So in order to practice this vocabulary, GimKit is awesome. It has the repetition that I need them to, to do. And I'm noticing many of my students are not going home and making flashcards or studying separately. So the GIM kit is sort of like for studying and they don't see that. They see the entertainment value of it. Mm -hmm. So I, I love GIM kit. Um, with my fifth graders, 
I have been using Book Creator, which I find extremely useful and extremely engaging. Uh, I have tweaked how I've used Book Creator throughout this school year, but what I've sort of come to is that my fifth graders need some structure still. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they've come from the elementary and this school year, they really haven't had a lot of structure. So I, I actually created almost like a textbook for them um, in Book Creator. And I share that with all of my students so that they have exactly what I need. And so this enables me to um, uh, instruct on a specific page in class. And so when I've got my students at home learning remotely and in front of me, we're all on the same page. Literally, we're all on the same book page. <laughs> right. Some students have really embraced the book idea and have asked me if they can delete certain pages and make the book their own. And I love that as well, because then that book becomes their book. Right. And I tell them at the beginning, if they want the book to be their book, they, they can do that. They just need to have the, the French in there that I'm really expecting. And my course, my fifth grade course is a seven week course. So really there's not a lot of French, but um, the kids that have embraced that whole book create aspect, they have just enjoyed that immensely. What a way to personalize learning for them too, to give them that freedom to pull in what they feel is important to keep inside the book. I think that's a great option. So they just make a copy of it for themselves or you can assign a book to each student. I can actually assign. So what I do is I create my book template and then I push out that template to everybody. And the students that need the structure can keep the structure and the students that don't need the structure will delete the structure. And they will, you know, listen to my instruction. And on each page where there's like a task, I have it in a speech bubble type format. So what they'll do is they will look at the instructions, they'll delete the speech bubble, and then they will create their own page as necessary. And I even have students that are actually just answering questions in the speech bubble, which is fine. They're still completing the task, but those are the students that really need that structure. So right. Book Creator has truly allowed me to differentiate how I'm instructing and um, the, the product that I am uh, expecting from each student. And I like that differentiating without having to make an entire wheel each time you create a standard template wheel, right? That uh, we always, when we hear differentiation, we hear, oh, I've got to make a separate lesson for this group and this group. But really, it's just a matter of tweaking it slightly to the needs of that particular it, group. Yeah, because we can differentiate in so many different ways. And here I'm differentiating the product. What am I expecting the student to, to give to me? I, I know what, you know, I want them to learn. And they're just showing me how they're learning it in different ways. That's great. Well, we've got a great show with Anne here today, and I look forward to jumping into the lesson. Great. Time for the lesson. All right, we're back with Anne, and uh, we're just going to jump right into it because I just find this fascinating. Um, again, Anne teaching a foreign language. Um, one of the things that I like to dispel is, you know, I and I hear this in the field all the time. It, this is great, but I teach English or I teach math or I teach technology, um, and I can't really do all of this. And I, I love that Anne really just takes that and says, "Nope, we can do this." Uh, and, and here's how you, how you do it in foreign language. So, welcome back to the show, Anne. Thank you. So what are some of your favorite tech approaches to teaching world languages? So for me in teaching world language, and I really would, would say this is for all content areas, is that we have to have some type of real world application. Um, our students are inundated with, you know, um, gaming and uh, YouTube videos. I mean, we need to make our lessons engaging and real world so that students can connect. 
just like they're connecting to everything else in their environment. Absolutely. Uh, so what I um, believe in is I, I have previously done a lot of virtual field trips and connected with people, um, brought experts into the classroom. Now that I'm in my own classroom and doing this, I needed to really think about one, what standards am I teaching? How am I assessing those standards? And how can I bring real world experience and application into those assessments? So my assessments um, are very, I, I won't say project-based, but I will say real world-based. Um, so what I have done is I contacted um, many teachers. I posted all over the place on Facebook, on Twitter, um, on Grid Pals with Flipgrid. I posted everywhere that I was looking for a French class or a class that spoke French that would be able to communicate with my class. And I found somebody. This woman reached out to me. She is a teacher in Bordeaux. France. And um, since about November, I um, have had my sixth grade class communicating with her seventh graders in Bordeaux. It has been a great experience. We have uh, exchanged flip grids and we've also exchanged letters. Her goals are obviously different from mine. Mm -hmm. She wants to get her kids speaking English. And for me, I want to get my kids, I want them speaking, but I also want them writing and reading. So where she started off with speaking and you know focusing on the flip grids, I actually started off with the writing, the reading and writing piece, okay. um, mostly because her students had already had one year of experience in English and mine have, have had zero experience in French. This is the first time they've ever taken French. So um, what I did was create I mean, they, they're really summative assessments and they're letters. The kids have exchanged letters back and forth, but I will tell you, you know, um, we're actually doing one next week. We're replying to the French students because the French students wrote back. And one of my students was literally bouncing out of her seat. She was so <laughs> excited. She gets to write back to her French friend. We call them friends and our ami, we say les amis en France. And um, she was so excited about it. And I said, wow, I said, I'm so glad you're excited to do this assessment. And she said, assessment. And I said, oh, oh, I mean, writing back to your friends. <laughs> right. Because they don't see it. The ones that enjoy it don't see it as an assessment, even though it, it truly is. I mean, I need to see if they can read the French letter and write a cohesive and comprehensive reply. And they're completely showing me that they can do that. So I will say that, you know, the, the approach I'm, I'm using is by using our network of tools we have available to us in this whole tech world we're living in, I am trying to connect my students with others outside of their classroom so that they can understand, you know, the real world application of the language they're learning. 100%. And I, and I, what I'm hearing and what I love about this is it's an authentic assessment. You're really giving them a real world task to complete. And it really is a virtual immersion experience that you're giving them. It is. Yeah. I, I'm just hoping that I can continue either working with this teacher in France or, you know, I find somebody next year. Um, but I did actually have two teachers reach out to me this year. So That's great. That, I, that, I find that positive. Absolutely. So we define um, this experience that we're all in right now, and I'm not quite sure. I, I didn't ask you at the beginning what yours is. I know I'm in a hybrid model right now. So we have some students who are streaming our class live, some who are in person. What's your experience right now uh, in the classroom? Um, so right now, uh, 
Well, <laughs> I guess I am, I'm teaching concurrently. It's, mm-hmm. cha- it, it's always changing, right? So I have some students in front of me. I have some students online. Um, we just finished our quarter yesterday. So I actually have more students coming back into the classroom on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be my most challenging because in, um, in one class, I will only have three students online still. So I'm trying to think through how I can continually remind myself that those students are there at home. Um, yeah, because many of them are, ha- it's a, a blank Zoom screen when mm-hmm. I see them online. Yeah, what are some of the struggles that you're seeing teachers experiencing during this digitally enhanced learning time or this, this hybrid or concurrent hey, time period? So some of the struggles I've seen is that one, teachers have never taught this way and we never learned how to teach this way. When we all went to school to become teachers, they didn't say, hey, you're going to teach during a pandemic and <laughs> you're going to have some kids at home and some kids online or some kids in front of you and it's going to be changing forever you know like you'll never have any consistency teachers like structure right we you know we do the same thing year after year (laughs) (laughs) if you're at a high school you do the same bell schedule every single day like it is it is a very structured environment and now we're in this completely unstructured environment and we have to adapt and be flexible and i think that's been the biggest struggle i've seen a lot of teachers just emotionally um melt down because they cannot handle this. Like there is no structure. I I can't plan next week because I don't know if my building's going to be shut down because of, you know, a breakout in one classroom. I don't know. So what I have, have done this year is I have planned every lesson like I could do it online or Mm -hmm. face-to-face there, you know, when we started off the year and we were all hundred percent remote, I changed very little when we went into the model where we are now in the classroom, because first, after I left the hundred percent remote, I moved into my classroom and I was still 100% remote, but I was now teaching in my classroom. Mm -hmm. And then I had a few students come back and then third quarter, few more students come back. And so I have, I've continually used the same structure of, of my instruction. Um, I feel like consistency has just taken on a new meaning for me this year. Like I have to be a hundred percent consistent, not just for my students, but for my sanity. Uh, and, and just, and really my parents, the parents also, you know, you look at this, how this has impacted parents. I have two children. I know you also have, have kids. It's, it's a challenge. This whole thing has just been a very challenging situation in terms of parenting, teaching, you know, um, be life in general. Yeah, totally. And, and, and as, as a parent, that's the one thing I think changed my instruction forever this year was seeing both sides of that. When we were at home 100% of the time, I was able to split time between classes and help out my younger two. Uh, the older two were pretty self-sufficient, but the but the younger two really needed a lot of guidance. My wife, who was working right next to me at home, and like all of us were home, and you know, it was a matter of talking over each other's conferences at that point in time. And... Uh, how much that shifted. So when we went back into the building and went concurrent, um, my wife was like, I don't know what to do because I've got all four kids asking me questions and I'm trying to work. It was really difficult to manage. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I learned was I had to keep, for each unit I designed, I had to keep a couple of emergency lessons in my back pocket just in case we went all remote and had us flip a switch again. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely understand. Yes, having those lessons in your back pocket. I mean, I, um, I've actually grabbed some resources from some Facebook 
teacher groups that I've been a part of, and that has just helped me out so much. Um, but knowing that I have to always be flexible and anticipate the unanticipated, you know, I just, I, it's changed everything this year. Absolutely. So how was, um, how was this period of digitally enhanced learning for your subject matter specifically? How has that changed the way you're teaching? Mm-hmm. So um, for me in particular, mm-hmm. I, I have not changed anything that I did um like at the beginning of the year, but keeping in mind that last year I wasn't in the classroom. So the last time I actually taught French was um, back in maybe 2012, 13, I think. Mm-hmm. And so obviously me going into this position, I knew that that my teaching was not going to be the same as it was in, in 2012, 13. Um, I have had to do a lot of videos mm-hmm. and also audio files. So knowing that students at home may not be hearing me as well as students in the classroom has changed everything. Um, I have done um, more of a step-by-step approach. Uh, I do guided notes for my students mm-hmm. and because I, I was finding they weren't taking notes. They didn't have a notebook. They weren't taking notes on what I was instructing. So what I do now is I do guided notes and I, I present my lesson on the screen Anybody that's having technology problems, that lesson is also recorded and posted in Google Classroom and nice. on YouTube. So by doing this um, in you know, a two-fold approach, I'm hoping that these students get it all. Um, the, the recorded lesson is nearly identical to the lesson I'm presenting in class. I also communicate a lot with my parents and I make sure my parents are aware of what I'm doing because I don't want them to think that their child is just completely at a disadvantage because they're at home. That's not fair. Um, some parents are at home because of, you know, medical or some students are at home because of medical reasons or, you know, maybe they don't want to be exposed to COVID because they're living with a grandparent. I mean, you just don't know. Right. And so I'm trying to level the playing field as much as possible um, and really the the videos and then again the audio files so i don't i have some videos for my fifth graders in that book creator that i was previously talking about but i include mostly audio files in book creator Uh, and for each phrase or word that i put into book creator in their textbook um, that is in french i also include an audio file so those students at home can listen to how i'm saying something Uh, or the students even in my classroom can go back at any time and listen. And it's interesting what I have found just recently within the past couple of weeks that some students are becoming so accustomed to watching the, um, the lesson online or being able to go in and listen to things like, uh, almost, you know, on demand, that they are actually doing that in my lesson. So some students will will put their earbuds in and in Book Creator, I've been noticing it, they will go in and rather than listen to me go through it in class, they will go into the Book Creator and they'll just keep playing certain files over and over again. And such a clever approach too. I know I've talked about in previous episodes, the idea of creating this digital library. Now, you know, taking advantage of the fact and you're doing this now, you're, you're recording yourself, making it available for your students. But think about the future from now, you're, you're going to have that library available mm-hmm. to you at your disposal to use whenever you want. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, that's what I'm thinking. It's, it's going to be done. I will tweak it, of yeah, course, sure. but yeah, it's done. <laughs> 
Well, and again, it goes back to the evolutionary idea of using Book Creator as your as your quote unquote textbook, right? Because you, know, mm-hmm. you can make yeah. the course what you want it to be. I, I really enjoy that. I'm going to have to look up Book Creator a little more. I, I'll be honest. I think I'm going to um, incorporate Book Creator next year as well. Uh, one, because my fifth graders that are coming into sixth grade, they'll be familiar with it. Mm-hmm. But two, it has allowed me to just be so structured. Um, and provide those kids. Cause I still think in sixth grade, they really need that structure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have a table of contents. I have a list of all graded assignments at the back of the book. So if they're unsure what assignment in the book is graded, they can go, they can click. It takes them directly to the page. I just, I- I'm pretty sure I'm going to use it next year as well in sixth grade. That's great. So going forward, what tips would you offer teachers who are trying to digitally enhance their lessons? So it's interesting that you ask this question because I uh, I have replied to somebody's post on on Twitter not too long ago and then was re, um, somebody from uh, Ed Week Education Week reached out to me and asked me if I would elaborate on what I had posted and write a short article. So I recently wrote an article for Education Week oh, wow. on this same question and what um, I I wanted to sort of pull it together in a package. And so I called it the three C's and I said, communication, consistency, and care. So one, we need to make sure that we are communicating uh, um, extremely well with all stakeholders. So administrators, um, students, parents, other community members. I feel like uh, the communication needs to be very cut and dry. So I've actually been communicating with my parents every week, which is unheard of um, for one, a foreign language and two, like a special. I'm considered a special Mm -hmm. at my school. So an elective or, you know, um, because it's an elementary school, they call it a special. And most specials teachers don't write letters to parents, but these parents have written back to me saying how appreciative they are just to know what their child is working on in, um, in French class. So the communication for me has just been so critical. The consistency, so consistency of communication, consistency of assignments, um, and consistency of grades. I would say consistency with my assignments. I, um, I always have vocabulary. Vocabulary is paired with guided notes. Guided notes is paired with a video. It's all paired with an activity. Each week, this is what I do. And the kids know this now. So at the beginning of the year, when I said, you know, um, I want you to take some notes, that meant nothing to them. Mm -hmm. But now when I say, okay, it's, it's guided notes. In Google Classroom, anything that is a grade, I also post in Google Classroom, it begins with the word grade. Mm. So my assignment might say grade colon, guided notes, adjectives. And I just going through that, it's the same thing. I've been using that um, grade colon since about October. And then there's, there's no confusion. Like what is a graded assignment? Look for the word grade in Google Classroom. Now, Of course, there's always going to be kids that can't find it, don't know what's going on. But when they go to Google Classroom and they they look at any missing assignment, if they see grade, they know they have to do it if it says grade and missing. Uh, So that's, you know, the consistency of what my approach. Again, the book creator provides the consistency. Um, Care is my, my third thing. So I would offer to teachers, take care of yourself and take care of your students. I feel like within all of this, the teacher's well-being is is easy to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I did early on, uh, after I, I started 
you know, doing the concurrent teaching where I've got the kids here in front of me and at home and I'm wearing a mask, um, I realized that my throat was starting to hurt at the end of the day because I felt like I was shouting through my mask. Mm -hmm. I bought myself a voice amplifier. That hands down is the best purchase I made this school year. So, you know, just trying to take care of myself, um, knowing that I need to be there for these kids. Um, they need me because I'm consistent. Uh, and as much consistency as I can give to them is great. Um, I always give positive encouragement, um, you know, typical things we do as teachers, but I also give them a little bit of grace. So, you know, if I have a student that maybe didn't get an assignment done on time or, um, you know, maybe is just having some negativity, you know, coming from him during the school day, I might just sit down with him and say, I, I know it's tough. Like mm -hmm. things are, are not going so well right now, but I'm here for you. If you, you know, want to talk and I'm just, I'm trying to keep in mind that like, we don't know what's going on with these kids in a normal year. We don't know what's going on, but now with COVID and, and pandemic and there's been, you know, deaths, like we have no idea. You're right. And it really brings that social emotional to the forefront of our classroom expectations to make sure that we're checking in on each other, making sure we're taking care of ourselves because we really don't know the circumstances or the, the lack of equity involved in what their resources are when they're not with us. That, that is so true. And I mean, my, my district is, you know, a semi-urban district and it's, I, I worry about some of the students. Mm -hmm. And I think a part of that has always been there for us as teachers, but it really has been highlighted mm -hmm. as something so important during this time. So I, I'm really glad it's coming to the forefront because I think we needed that reminder as, as a profession sometimes. I agree. So what are some of your favorite tech tools to incorporate into your classroom? I know you've talked about uh, Book Creator, um, um, but you've, you've got this great list that I'm looking at here, and I just want you to talk about all of them because I'm sure you're using every single one of them too. <laughs> yes. So um, again, at the beginning of the year, I had this grand vision that I would incorporate all of these tech tools that I have you know, preached to teachers throughout the past few years um, in, in my tech coaching role. And what I realized is I need to keep it simple. So I, um, I opted with using Google tools, obviously. We have to post in Google Classroom. So Google Classroom is big. All of my guided notes are in Google Slides. I'm trying to, um, if they need to do something, I put it in Google Docs. I use forms. I don't pull in anything extra. Mm -hmm. Google is working for me and I don't want to change that right now. It's working very well. Right. Um, so that's sort of, you know, what I'm asking them to produce. But when I'm wanting some type of formative assessment, I have, ha I have three go-to tools that I've used. Uh, two I used, I've used all school year and one I've just started using. So I've been using GimKit mm -hmm. all school year and I did purchase GimKit, uh, which I think was also money well spent because <laughs> it was $60 and uh, the kids absolutely love it. Um, Kahoot. So I use Kahoot as formative assessment. And then I've also found this Blukit. Um, I don't know if you have heard of that, Rich, but these kids are obsessed with it right now. And it is very similar to GimKit. It's the rote practice of some type of skill. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of this one? I, I know I've heard of it from other podcasts, but it wasn't until I think it was just last night or maybe Thursday evening. I was uh, walking past my son as he's doing his homework and I saw it up on his computer. I didn't even know they were using it in the classroom. So yeah, tell us a little more about Blukit. 
all I know is what my students have told me <laughs> that they have to complete tasks. It's gamified. Um, so just last week I had them doing the tower of doom and they had to um, complete tasks uh, to, to basically battle, I think creatures or something to progress through levels to make it through the tower of doom. And some students were so upset that they died during this <laughs> and they actually emailed me and I looked at the report and I could see that they had done like 150 or 200 questions. I mean, wow. these kids, like it was their, their goal was to make it through the tower of doom. You know, it's just, it's crazy. They really wanted to do it. Some kids did it, died, and then went back in to do more. And what a fun way to gamify learning for them. I mean, they're, they're learning without really knowing that they're learning because it speaks to a platform where they're at, right? I mean, they all love to game. And so this is a great way for them to, to learn without really learning. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And then one other sort of tried and true tool um, that I've used, and I used this ages ago as well as Quizlet, um, I just the simple flashcards. Mm -hmm. I was first having students create some, but that wasn't going so well. So I tweaked that. And now for each vocabulary list, I provide them with a Quizlet link of all of the vocabulary words. I link the Quizlet link at the top of their vocabulary list. Quizlet also has audio files. So I like that component as well, especially mm -hmm. for the world language. Um, and then sometimes if you know they finish early, I'll say, okay, go to Quizlet and play a game, play gravity or matching, and then take a picture of it and send it to me. I want to see that you've done that. Yeah, that's a great. When I taught theology, I used Quizlet quite a bit because there was a lot of terminology at the high school level that they were trying to learn while figuring out these world religions or sacramental um, topics. And uh, it was just nice because it, they would tell me that they would actually be able to pull it up on their phone and just flip through the flashcards digitally without having to bring something extra with them. I mean, they have their phone anyway, so they might as well to use it while they're studying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And then obviously I've talked a lot about book creator. So that's mm -hmm. my, my last tool, my go-to. That's awesome. So what are some of your tips for implementing technology like this in your classroom? Uh, so like I said, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. um, I had these grandiose ideas at the beginning of the school year that I would be incorporating so many technology tools, but that was just overwhelming for me and for my students. So definitely um, my tip is keep it simple. Find one tool, find two tools that you really like and that serve the purpose. You know, think about what Think about your objective of your lesson um, for like my rote practice or formative assessment. I have my three go-to tools for my guided notes. I have my, you know, that's my lesson, right? My instruction. I have my one tool that I'm using. So think about your objectives of your lesson and then find tools that match. Don't find a tool and then try to fit it into your lesson in some way, mm -hmm. because you need to start with the uh, inst um, instructional objective of your lesson. So that's the first piece. The second piece is talk to your students. What do they like to use? Mm -hmm. Do they like to use um, GimKit? Do they like to use Kahoot or BlueKit? Uh, I tried to use GimKit with my fifth graders and they didn't like it very much. They like BlueKit better. So I'm going to use the BlueKit because that's that's what's engaging to them. Mm -hmm. Knowing your room, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what is some of the feedback that you've garnered from students regarding the use of some of these tech tools? What have they said to you? Uh, so they they really like the gamified tools, um, GimKit and and BlueKit, depending on the grade level. 
they enjoy the um, they enjoy the the gamification. That's what it comes down to. They don't feel like they're learning. It is a game to them. Uh, I just did this past week uh, an Among Us game <laughs> with my sixth graders, practicing some verb structures and vocabulary, and they 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 figured out the imposters, and then you know the imposters won. So they wanted to play it again in that same period. And my, my instructional objective, that period was for them to practice the verbs and the structure. So when they played it again, they were still doing that. Um, with the book creator, I have had students tell me that that's their favorite part of class, that they love being able to do what, you know, express their creativity. Mm -hmm. um, one student even told one of my administrators, which was awesome. It just, she completely embraced the um, unstructured approach of the book creator and made the book all her own. That's amazing. So and then, you know, we've done something similar in class. And I think that you hit a key point in listening to your students' interests, get them that buy-in, um, show them the relevancy of what it is that you're teaching. I taught a um, technology apps and innovation course, and they said, I just want to play video games. And I said, okay. So they look kind of looked at me funny. I'm like, bring in your gaming councils. We'll hook them up and show me your favorite games. They thought I'd lost my mind. And um, then what we did was we took their favorite controller and we analyzed it. So if it's your favorite game with your favorite controller, what does this button do? Like, let's look at these buttons. Let's break it down to see how we might look at the coding and how that goes into it. They didn't realize that we were going to be learning about how video games are programmed, but it started with their interest in the video games. It always starts with student interest, always. Absolutely. So what do you see as some of the, um, the setbacks or drawbacks of incorporating technology in your classroom? So um, if I start with one of the benefits, first of all, I would say that the real world application, but then some of the drawbacks to this would be probably that it could get, become overused. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the kids, they come in now and they automatically open their Chromebook. Well, that prohibits me from asking a question answer and hearing them, you know, in real time. So next school year, I, I'm hoping that we have everybody back in front of us. I think we're going to have to set some real Chromebook rules in the classroom. You know, if I am presenting, then the Chromebook, you know, may be at like 45 degrees, like maybe I want them to listen to me instead of being on the technology. Maybe I want them to turn and talk to their partner. I'm noticing that the turn and talk to a partner doesn't happen mm. as well. Some kids do it, but some kids would rather just look at their screen instead of turn and talk to a partner. And the turn and talk is, you know, not only in foreign language or world language, but it's, it's everywhere. You, you need to be able to talk to somebody rather than right. talk through a screen. Yeah. Having, having some of that in, in person as well as the, uh, the digital learning experience as well. And so let's go back to the benefits. What's what are some of the benefits that you're seeing with tech integration for your subject matter in general? Just this real world application. And I mean, I spoke to that earlier, you know, the real world application is it's so important to engage the kids and connect these, you know, the experience they're having in my classroom to their real life. Um, right now, actually, uh, one thing that I'm doing is, and I uh, let me take a step back. I, I learned of this through a Facebook group, and it it's called Mani Musical, and that's just it's a you know musical mania, musical mania, and um, 
I, I was in one of my French Facebook groups, French teacher Facebook groups, and these people posted and said, you know, when is Mani Musicale 2021? And I thought, when is this Mani Musicale? So I start Googling it and, and find that there's this comp competition that's held every year and it's organized by these two teachers in Maine. So I joined their Facebook group, the Mani Musicale Facebook group. And this contest has basically exploded. It is a musical bracket of French songs and it happens every March. Um, <clears throat> they, they choose, these two teachers in Maine choose 16 songs and they put them on a March Madness-like bracket. That's awesome. Every, every few <coughs> days, kids are voting on these songs, okay? Well, first, my, you know, we, you fill out your bracket, you submit your bracket, and then um, starting, I can't remember what our first vote date was. I feel like it was like March 2nd, 3rd or 4th, 5th. We start voting on the songs. And it's not only my class that's voting, but there are like, I think over a thousand schools, maybe even over 1500 schools throughout the world doing this bracket. So all of these kids throughout the world are doing this, the, the vote. And it, you know, maybe like, this last song that won, my students didn't really like. And I said, well, you know, you don't know how these other kids throughout the world are seeing this song. Mm -hmm. So we watched the videos, we listened to the music, we've talked about music, we've incorporated adjectives. I mean, we've really talked about how we feel about music. Um, and this all came from tech integration, right? Yeah, because right. without this Facebook group, I wouldn't have this bracket or this whole contest. I have the bracket posted in my classroom. Um, each time there's a vote, I, you know, move my bracket along so the kids can see what's going on. And I'm giving prizes for my student that that gains the most points in the bracket. But the kids love this contest. They absolutely love it. We have talked so much about the songs. And I just think without the, the network of Facebook, I would not have seen this ever. And now I'm going to you know, look out for it every March. And actually next year, I think I'm gonna to try to incorporate more. Like I'm gonna get a bulletin board in the school. It's just, it's been so fun. And it's really broadened my students' mind to, um, to French music, first of all, and then music from French speaking countries, because there are some artists who are not French, but they are from, um, other countries throughout the world that speak French. I mean, obviously Canada, yeah. but there are some uh, African countries where they speak French. And my students have really been embracing this music. What a great way to bring in some um, some great technology. Uh, and again, go back to that virtual immersion experience is really bringing that real world application to life. I, I really, mm -hmm. I, I want to take your French class. I might actually enjoy <laughs> taking French. Oh my gosh. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Any stories or anything like that you'd like to share with our audience today? You know, if I, if I could just give advice to anybody, you know, I know you don't have it here. Like we didn't really talk about this, but reach out, form a network, you know, take a risk, form a network, contact somebody, collaborate with someone outside of your school, because the best ideas are out there and you need to just find them. Like you, there's always somebody else that has another idea and you can take that idea wherever you want to go. What a great message today. So if, if anyone else wanted to contact you, Anne, what's the best way to do that? The best way is on Twitter, um, Anne, A-N-N, Radefeld, R-A-D-E-F-E-L-D. Uh, that is my Twitter handle, and I would say that's the best way to reach out to me. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time for our listeners today, and I look forward to seeing you in person or online anytime soon. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. You're welcome. It's time to wrap it up. In my conversations with educators, both on and off of this podcast, it, those conversations revolve around the takeaways that we hope to bring with us in a post-COVID field. And I certainly hope that they continue to have those conversations and experience that growth, because I think that if we don't walk away from this COVID era learning something about our field of education, then we've missed the point of what this experience is supposed to have been about this whole time. Anne certainly made mention of this in today's episode in continuing conversations with her educator friends in France and bringing this real-world digital immersion learning continuously to her students. She truly highlighted how important it is to gauge student interest in making connections to their learning as authentic, finding creative assessment opportunities so that their, her students didn't even see them as assessments, and blending the tech tools in our tool belts. In her case, she's using things like Book Creator and Flipgrid and, and letter writing and video conferencing and even connections to social media to create an authentic, real-world experience in learning for her students. As she pointed out, it helps to bring the learning to life for our students, then creating lessons that our students can learn from that connect the learning to real-world application. I love that she used something like letter correspondence as an assessment tool to gauge learning as practical and defining the art of proper correspondence and the use of language and her students felt as though they were just writing letters. It was a creative way to assess without the traditions of anxiety-driven traditional assessment strategy. I've been part of several conversations about grade scales and learning for points and inequality of grade distribution versus authentic and real-world learning. So many of us are missing what this, this discussion should be really about. I heard an argument about grade scales and that their rigor that they represent and what our families really want when it comes to academics, and I could not <laughs> disagree more. As a teacher, I want more for my students to focus on learning how to learn and to take those skills beyond the brick and mortar of our building. I don't want them to play for points, but be able to find the value in learning through application of those skills into tangible experiences where they can see the value in learning. You know, as Anne pointed out so eloquently in this episode, this can be done in all content areas and should be our driving force in lesson creation. The first step is to get to know our community of learners and what piques their interests. Then you want to start working on creating lessons around the curiosity to elicit engagement. Um, and and it, really will, it really will spur that engagement for your students. It'll provide them with the resources on top of that to make those learning decisions for themselves. Then give them ample time to try it once without penalty to garner feedback and learning opportunities. Because I think so many times we're just so worried about getting so many grades in the grade book and, and assessing points, or some of us even feel in the field that they won't do it unless there's a point value assigned. And I totally feel that that's wrong. They want the opportunity to feel safe in learning that opportunity and to, to get that skill sharpened. Finally, you want to allow students to learn from that feedback that you're offering them by trying to exhibit those skills again. This is a real-world learning opportunity. This is applying skills to life, which inspires creative thinking and pushes our learners beyond rote memory and regurgitating answers. It's not just an elementary or high school shift. Our higher education institutions could stand to benefit from this model, too. There are a few out there that are really trying. I mean, schools elementary through higher ed across. I really hope that that trend continues, that they give it an opportunity to grow, because it takes a while for us to get out of the rut that we may have been putting ourselves in for these past, oh, I don't know, a couple hundred years. 
I also hope that you take a chance to listen to a new podcasting project that I've had the pleasure of co-hosting. It's called Connect with Success with Dr. Lynette Scottese-Wattilla. Lynette has a phenomenal strategy for working with individuals with autism and other neurological differences called the Success Approach, which gives caretakers the hope and critical curriculum they need to help those amazing folks learn in a way that works best for their needs. Kind of like what we've been talking about these real-world strategies. It's available on all major podcasting platforms, and we'll put a link in the show notes for you. We will be doing a live stream in honor of Autism Awareness Month on Saturday, April 17th, 2021 at 7 p.m. from their Facebook page. I'll put that in the show notes as well. But here you'll get an opportunity to meet Lynette and some of the champions that support her to drive the love and care and support for others as well. If you'd like to talk about what makes your classroom work, Uh, what 21st century learning strategies that you're using and how they relate to good teaching and practices in today's modalities. I'd love to have that conversation with you. I'd love to have you on the show. Let's keep that conversation going. Please feel free to reach out via Twitter at Dr. Smith underscore EdTech or via email at rmstechspot at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Rich here reminding you to give tech a try. Any step forward is still part of the greater journey in learning. This has been Tech Study Hall. Class is adjourned. Be well, everyone. Music and sound effects used during Tech Study Hall is provided royalty-free under the use and mention license from hooksounds.com. Other music and sound effects are courtesy of bensound.com and incomtech.com. For more information about how you can be a part of Tech Study Hall, contact Rich at rmstechspot at gmail.com or visit www.techstudyhall.org for follow-up information, research, or contact options. Ha, ha, ha.